Okay, so uh, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. This is actually episode two, and then we're going to speak about your study about your study on Black people and MS, and it's a very interesting one, is which is why I wanted to invite you to the podcast. And I thank you so much for coming on. So, could you tell us your name and a bit about you, please, to start off? Certainly. It's my pleasure to be here. My name is Ilya Kistem, a neurologist and a clinical researcher at NYU Grossman School of Medicine in New York. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have been working at NYU Multiple Sclerosis Center for approximately 20 years, a little more. And our center reflects uh, the diversity of New York City. About half of our patients, a little more than half, in fact, identify as minority populations. So over the years, we've had quite a bit of experience with um, MS patients in different ethnic groups. We have Black Americans, Hispanics, whites, all quite represented. We have relatively fewer Asian Americans, perhaps because it's a little less common in that demographic. Yeah. Okay, sounds great. So let's get straight into the study because I, a friend of mine alerted me about the study because he knows that this would be the area that I'm into because we are a non-profit patient advocacy organization and we represent and support Black people living with uh, multiple sclerosis that we do get missed out a lot in research. And I'm just trying to see why that is and the implications of that, because as you know, the history of multiple sclerosis started in Europe. And it was always seen as a white person's, white Europeans disease. So even when it was, even when they saw that, no, actually it's not that, we were still not on there. And there's so many different aspects to why black people have low enrollment, so many things. And I always thought it's because of our culture that we don't like you know, to talk about illnesses, because I know in my family, I have a lot of relatives who weren't very happy about me speaking up about it. So I always thought that, okay, maybe they don't go because of, you know, the culture, you know, cultural stigma. But when I was doing community events and, you know, a lot of these people were there and I brought a neurologist who was working on something called the Adam study. So they want to see how Asian and black people's genetics are affected by MS. It was a study, it's an ongoing one. So when I brought him to the event, he came via Zoom. A lot of the people there wanted to sign up. So it wasn't that they didn't they didn't want to, it's just like they didn't know where to go. So it was like, okay, are we you know, are they putting the notices up in areas where black people are? So it was a very interesting one. But still, there's still some people who don't think that black people have MS as much as, you know, some studies say. So could you please explain a bit more about your study about the B cells reemerging in African-American patients with MS? Because I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, sure, sure. I, let me comment first on a couple of things that you mentioned, uh, mm-hmm. with which I actually agree. So first of all, it's now well established that uh, the incidence, the likelihood of getting a mess in populations with African ancestry is as high or higher in, let's say, United States, for sure, of Europe probably as well, mm-hmm. as in white populations, which traditionally, like you said, were thought to be the population where this disease is found. So yeah. it is definitely the case that there are a lot of people of African descent with MS. This is very clear. May not be the case in Africa, but definitely the case in Western 
uh, countries. Yeah. And the second point you made is also interesting, and it aligns very much with my experience, because, you know, like I told you, I've been working in the center for more than two decades, and we've never had any issues at all with minority enrollment. Yeah. Um, I can tell you this, that in the recent study, which is a little complicated and involved, you know, coming six times or more for blood draws, minority patients, African-Americans comprised 76% of participants, you know, more than 50%, which is their representation in our clinic. So they participate quite enthusiastically, and they also had the same experience as you did when we would organize patient days for neuromyelitis optica, which is not MS exactly. A lot of people showed up, and a lot of people expressed interest in research. So Mm -hmm. I, I, I think it may not be entirely true that this kind of reputation that maybe minorities shy away from research. It, it certainly has not been my experience, mm-hmm. you know, and I agree with you. I think if you kind of meet people where they are, a lot of them, a lot of them will participate. Yeah. To your question about our study, you know, there are a lot of African-Americans with MS, but relatively few studies. This is changing very quickly. And, you know, if you look at the literature, even in the last couple of years, there are probably more studies published in this area than in the previous, you know, 20 and 30 years. So Mm -hmm. this is an area that's getting a lot of attention. And I think we're going to fill in some gaps that we had before. But still, much less is known in how the disease kind of runs its course and how people of African descent respond to treatments if they're of African ancestry. And we looked specifically in the study in patients on what we call B-cell depleting therapies, medication that basically remove B-cells from circulation. The famous one is called acrylizumab, probably the most popular one. There's mm-hmm. also afentumumab. Those are two approved. And for quite a bit of time, we used a medication called rituximab, which is not approved for MS, but basically works the same way as the other two. And those are highly, highly effective medications for MS. And we wanted to know whether there are any differences in the way that the B cells are removed from circulation in patients of African and non-African white descent. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, indeed, we found that there were differences that African-Americans tended, and this is all kind of averages, but they were more likely to what we call repopulate. So what happens is when you give the medication and you measure how many B cells are there in, in blood, after yeah. about two weeks, after you give the infusion, you don't find any B cells. They're basically zero. And that's mm-hmm. across the board from everybody. There are almost yeah. no exceptions to that. But eventually they come back. The body starts making them. And by the end of six months, you know, maybe you know, three, five percent of patients would have some B cells back. And then patients are treated again, you know, because the infusion is every six months. The infusible therapies. And we found that there were more African Americans who would have B cell repopulation, return of B cell, even as early as four to five months, which would be extremely, extremely unusual in patients of non African descent. So this was kind of interesting and very much in line with some of the other literature, which is limited, but you know, it's 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 getting bigger with time. That the B cell responses in patients of African descent are kind of a little high hyperactivated, if you will. Yeah. There are several lines of evidence to suggest that. And I'll just mention one, maybe we can touch on others later on, is, you know, when you measure 
when, when people are diagnosed with a mess, one of the tests is um, lumbar puncture, right? Yeah. And you take some cerebrospinal fluid mm-hmm. and you find the immunoglobulin levels tend to be higher in people of African descent. And those are made by B cells. So mm-hmm. this is kind of indirect evidence that the B cells are a little overactive, maybe you should say, in patients of African descent. I don't know, it may be too long of an answer, but hopefully I covered the main, main areas. Oh, you did. Thank you so much. Do you know what? I, I'm so disappointed because like, I went to Ghana and I went there in West Africa because that's where my family are from. And I wanted to study because I know that vitamin D is only just one aspect of this whole you know, research with MS. I wanted to see what it was like. I actually got in touch with two neurologists in Ghana and I think a rheumatologist as well, because the way they do things is obviously very different. So I wanted to go there and find out how things work. And I found out that some people were, before I got to Ghana, I found out from what some of the doctors were saying is that sometimes the patients don't actually get a diagnosis. And they actually base it, it's usually because of, you know, finance, having to pay for your test results, having to get the test done. So sometimes what they do is that they, for the ones who can afford it and they do diagnose them with MS, they use their symptoms as like an indicator to test those who can't afford to have the test. And obviously there's some things with that that is just not right because, you know, sometimes MS, it does mirror other illnesses. So sometimes they don't actually get the right diagnosis. So I found this so, so interesting because that means a lot of people, and I I did hear from the neurologists there at the hospital that they were saying to me that there is so many, you know, patients that are coming in with autoimmune diseases and they did some kind of field work where they went into the rural areas. And there's some villages there in Ghana where some people have these illnesses, they can tell that their symptoms are autoimmune. Some are not even walking and that they're moving around on their with their elbows and their arms and stuff like that. And they said that when they look more into it, they would know that that would probably be an autoimmune because they ask them questions when they go into the field, how they're feeling. Some say numbness, some say they can't feel anything, some say tingling. So they get an idea that it's some kind of autoimmune disease, but they don't know for sure because it's all about money. So that was really interesting to me. So when I went to Ghana, unfortunately, I was very unwell. So I had to cancel all my appointments. I even had to come home early. I was so disappointed because I was looking forward to this. I wanted to get some information. I even had an agreement to even meet some of the patients and you know interview them. But the doctors have said there's so many coming in nowadays with these type of diseases. And I said this is so interesting because of you know what has been said and stuff. And I think there's something to look into that. So I, I wanted to try that again. I've got so many things lined up. So I'm hoping maybe in the next two years I can go back and I can just see like what is going on in Africa. Because if there is this autoimmune disease, it could, may not be MS, it could be something else, but there's something there. I, I, I'm just really into it. I really just want to see. And I, re- I think that's why I'm so into finding out how black people, you know, how are we so, you know, you know, what is it? our relationship with MS? Why sometimes we're so susceptible to it? What do we have? I was told by a neurologist here in the UK that we've got certain genes, not just one, but many, that may make us susceptible to MS, but more research needs to be done. I can see in this area, most of the studies I read, they always say more research needs to be done. So I'm always like, okay, so 
can we do more research? <laughs> so it's like, it's kind of hard to get that, that balance. So my thing, my question is to you, like you said something about how this area about African American patients with MS is becoming something that of more of an interest. But when I think about the conference, I think it's the big European contract conference that is like every year. I don't see these kind of topics when I'm looking at, you know, the topics and stuff. And I think that's just the European thing, because I can see there's more studies in the US than there are in the UK. Even we quote US studies is is because there's so much. So what do you feel like the future? Do you think is something that is growing in terms of your area? Because I don't know with Europe and the UK, I feel like we're quite slow in this area. I don't think it's like an emergency for us yet, but I'm liking the if I'm liking the research that's coming from the US in the moment. Can you tell me a bit more like cuz you said you feel like there's more interest in this area? Yeah, there's definitely more. You know, I can tell you for example about a work of my colleagues not too far away from me about 20 blocks in Cornell. There is a nice group that uh, doing work in their lab in patients with MS who are of African descent. And for example, they're finding that they may have more antibodies directed to the nervous tissues, to the neurons, than people who are not African descent. This, you know, this is true. This is a very interesting finding. And that was just published this year, you know, and I can give you references for those things. So this, I think, not only is an interesting finding, but it's likely to stimulate work in this area. And it may be that um, United States is a little bit ahead in that regard. It's it's possible. I don't know. I don't have a good feel for Europeans. Thank you so much for giving us that information because it's definitely something that I I still want to get more of. And I I just I'm just wondering like why do you feel? I mean, because with me, I always feel like if you're trying to find a cure for a disease, you have to know its behavioral patterns. And I feel like. We only know not even half of the picture, because if we only have more information about how it affects white people, then you don't even really know half of the story. So I would have thought, what is stopping? I know it's all about funding and research, but what do you think is some of the issues is why that, you know, there isn't more urgency to find out more about how MS affects, you know, not just African-Americans, but other ethnicities? Well, I think part of it may be that it's a complex area. You know, people might be a little bit afraid to study it because there are so many factors involved. You know, you mentioned that it might be cultural factors. You know, in some places, people don't like to talk about diseases, Mm -hmm. right? There is an issue of kind of health literacy. There is an issue of access to, you know, to treatments and even diagnostic tests, like you said, in Ghana. Some people can't even get the right tests, so they can't even get the right diagnosis. You basically haven't gotten off the ground there. Mm -hmm. So all those issues kind of intersect, and some people are afraid with so many kind of factors at play. It's hard to make, you know, conclusions. But I, I, I think you're absolutely right to advocate for more research in this area, not only for the sake of, you know, minority populations with MS. But I would argue that it's important for everybody, you know, because you learn more about the disease. And if you understand the disease better, you can treat everybody better. 
Mm-hmm. You know, there are insights that you might acquire by studying one population that you can then apply across the board to everybody. So I don't think it should be framed as an issue that's exclusive to one subgroup or another. I think it's important on its own merits, for scientific merits, obviously for the you know, patients uh, who have been understudied, but also for everybody else just as well. I think it should be seen as a kind of a win-win area to, to, to investigate. Okay. And so one last question. Do you, I mean, if you were to estimate with all the research, all the brand new research that comes out about treating MS, do you think that there may be, if not a cure, a way of preventing anybody else getting the disease? Well, one second, sir. Um, I, I think this is, uh, I think it's important for, for your listeners just to understand that we made tremendous strides in uh, treating MS, I would say, in the last uh, two, three decades. I mean, the first drug for MS came out in 1993. So, you know, some of the older MS patients we treat were basically you know, we're diagnosed at the time we had nothing to offer. And now we have more than 20 treatments, some very effective ones. But we can always do better. And I think what you're asking is whether there is will be a way for us to prevent the disease from developing in the first place. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, that's uh, here I can only speculate a little bit. But one of the ideas that have been bandied about is that there is an infection called Epstein-Barr virus, EBV, that is almost required to develop MS. And if we can somehow prevent this infection from getting around, getting about, maybe we can prevent MS as well. If you think that MS is a very rare complication of this infection, that's a very interesting and you know provocative idea. But that would be one way. If we can somehow perhaps vaccinate against this virus, prevent this infection from happening, perhaps we can prevent um, the MS. Interestingly enough, by the way, you should. Uh, some studies indicate that people of African descent have higher antibody responses to this virus. You know, mm-hmm. that's an interesting kind of a link. Yeah. So if you have high responses to this virus, you know, that may be relevant to understand, you know, why the disease sometimes runs a little bit of a more severe course. Mm-hmm. Lots of interesting areas to, to discuss and study, that's for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's all my questions. Thank you so much for answering them. I'm really grateful for that. And yeah, I'll I'll leave it there. And I wish you a good day. Are are you still working now or are you done for the day? No, I'm I'm on call because I'm doing my hospital consultations this this week. Okay. Well, but I want to give, uh, you know, kudos to you for doing your work and stimulating uh, interest in this area, which I think is a very important and interesting area. And I wish you lots of success. Thank you very much. You have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that's it, guys. Remember, keep supporting, keep representing and keep advocating. Let's make normalizing talking about illnesses, a thing, and supporting one another so everybody can feel comfortable within the Black community to talk about illnesses. Bye for now.